So today we have one of our teaching teams speaking. The Nida Rodman Jenkins is going to continue for the third week of Advent. So please welcome Vanida. everyone. As Sarah said, my name is Vinita. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I live in Inglewood, New Jersey, and I've been attending the river for about seven years. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here and to share with you all this morning. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Tis the season to be jolly. It's the happiest season of all. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And my all-time favorite, in the perfect blend of Christianity and secularism, so let's give thanks to the Lord above, because Santa Claus is coming tonight. (laughs) But that's my favorite, really. I am so grateful for everything this time of year brings. Beautiful decorations, family time, and the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For he is the reason for the season. He is the light of the world. Conversely, this is also a time when light appears dim, joy is not full, and peace is elusive. Let's face it, from the stress of family obligations, work responsibilities, mourning the loss of loved ones and severed relationships, unemployment, caregiving, sickness, many of us here are carrying the heavy weight of life's burdens, and there seems to be No relief in sight. So with all of these things on my heart, I find myself in a bit of a quandary during this season. How can I fully enjoy all of the wonder and excitement of waiting for the coming of Jesus and cope with feeling stressed out and overwhelmed? I recently received an invitation for a webinar entitled Caring for and Mentoring Students in Distress, which will focus on staff burnout and emotional fatigue. Staff burnout and emotional fatigue. Sign me up. (laughs) Sign me up. I feel like um, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about um, Horshack. I don't know if anyone remembers. Welcome back, Otter. Pick me. Pick me, pick me when it comes to that webinar. Can anyone relate? Let's look together at Mark 4, verses 35 to 41, and see how we can find strength for all that we are experiencing during this season. And it starts with verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. 
high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. To say the least, Jesus was able to draw a crowd. His unique ability to connect with people transformed ways of thinking and changed lives. He healed on the Sabbath. He challenged religious leaders. He touched those who others felt were unclean and he loved unconditionally. Today's story opens with Jesus and his disciples crossing to the other side of the lake. Jesus has been teaching throughout the day to large crowds, including his disciples. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and continued to teach them from the lake while the people listened to him along the shore. And it is now evening. Jesus and his disciples begin to pull away from the crowd and journey across the lake. As they travel, they are confronted by a fierce storm with high waves breaking into the boat and the boat filled with water. Whether they know how to steer the boat or not, whether they are skilled swimmers or not, this seems like a very scary and life-threatening situation. This scenario reminds me of the film, A Perfect Storm, which was based on a true story. Did anyone see A Perfect Storm? Yeah. And it's where three major weather patterns unexpectedly collide to create one of the fiercest storms in human history. The disciples were terrified and they began to call out to their leader for help, who is sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus appeared to be sleeping comfortably. I can relate to this because I'm a very good sleeper. He had a hard day of ministry, so it makes sense. I imagine that he was extremely tired because he had given out so much of himself to not only his disciples, but so many other people who were following him. The disciples were under the impression that Jesus did not care. And this may have been reinforced because he was sleeping in the stern of the boat the place where the person responsible for steering the boat is typically situated. 
It seems like their fear has gotten the best of them. I would probably be scared too if my fearless leader is catching a cat nap all comfy and cozy on a cushion in the middle of a horrific storm. Can anyone relate? Then Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, quiet down. And the wind fell and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith after all you've seen with me, after everything you've experienced? Do you still have no faith? One version asks, don't you even have confidence in me yet? Jesus was right there with them. He wasn't on the shoreline. He wasn't someplace else, but he was right in the boat with them and they had no reason to fear. And the disciples questioned each other in amazement and awe. Who is this man? What kind of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus is depicted as human and divine in these verses. As he pulls away from the large crowd and falls asleep, we see his humanity. And through this miracle of commanding the raging sea and wind to be still, we see his divinity and power to speak peace to a chaotic situation. As of late, I've had moments that feel chaotic where I felt like I've been drowning and I've experienced the miraculous power of Jesus rescue me every time. He rescued me every time. It makes me think about a triathlon that I participated in. Part of the triathlon, and I would say the weakest part for me was the swim. And I have to tell you, I was afraid of drowning. We had to swim 800 meters in a murky lake that was pretty chilly and dark and about 30 feet deep. And I thought I was making progress at one point, and I stopped at a raft to catch my breath and I was hanging on the side and I was breathing hard and I asked the man how much longer do I have to go and he's like honey you've only gone a third of the way (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh I don't want to (laughs) drown and I made my way but every time I felt really vulnerable Out there in that water, I stopped at a raft. Every time I felt like I was going to drown, I got comfort from one of the lifeguards who was situated in a raft all along the way. And that's who Jesus is to me, a lifesaver, a rescuer. When the storms of my life get so overwhelming, he comes and says, you can do it. Be encouraged. You still have a long way to go, but I am with you. So for the past several months, I've been managing a high level of responsibility in practically every area of my life, from 
my family, to work, to my community. And it seems to have converged into this perfect storm this particular week as I was responsible for spearheading a conversation with our university president and an organization which has been on campus for over 44 years, meeting the needs of black constituents. Now the meeting was to formally present a list of recommendations that actually started out as demands, but we pulled it back to recommendations, ensuring the comprehensive representation of black administrators, faculty, students, and staff at our institution. Now the conversations relating to the low numbers of these specific groups and them being recruited and retained have been seen as accurate. Everyone agrees with the fact that the numbers are low. However, this issue has not been prioritized and there has been no concrete commitment from administration to addressing these concerns. So the constituents expressed their desire to share their concerns with the president. And as president of this, of this organization, it was my responsibility to move forward and set things up. So everyone was excited about this uh, opportunity because we were able to get a date on the calendar before the end of the year, which is hard because she's extremely busy. So apparently this type of forum had not taken place in about 20 years. So some people expressed fear about attending this meeting for fear of retaliation, for fear of losing their jobs if they speak up. Because on my campus, oftentimes when people speak up, they're no longer there. So there were also a number of people who had their own notions about how this meeting should be conducted. Vinita, is this the right time to have the meeting? After all, it's the end of the semester. Vinita, what about next semester? Because if we present things at the end of this semester, she's just going to forget about it. Vinita, people have not been showing up to our general body meetings. Do you think that people are going to show up? You know, it's not going to be effective if there is not a room full of people, if the room is empty. Vinita, shouldn't each recommendation have more details? Shouldn't we have provided ways for how we can get things done? Vinita, you posted this on social media throughout campus, not just the date and time of the meeting, but the list of recommendations is on the back of the flyer. Vinita, because this is out there and spread into the community, will the president now not show up because all of this has been publicized? I was so overwhelmed. <laughs> I asked myself, honestly, how did I get into this predicament? Why did I run for president? I don't think I could do this. This is too much. This is too hard. So after the meeting was finalized and we said, we're going to go through it because honestly, 
I had not seen this level of excitement among the constituents since the beginning of the semester, which is when I pretty much took office. And I said, wow, I really want to maximize the moment because people are galvanizing themselves and they seem excited about this. So after the meeting was finalized by the powers that be, there was another degree of stress when we received notification on a Friday evening before the Tuesday meeting that the president said she can no longer meet on Tuesday. That she said she wanted to meet either the 18th or the 19th. So if anyone works on a college campus, you know that the 18th or 19th is the end of finals. That the 18th or 19th is a time when so many of our students and many other uh, constituents are no longer on campus. Many people are leaving for their vacation. And I was really, really frustrated over this. And, you know, I was speaking to her assistant and um, I said, well, I'm just going to write her a note. I'm just going to ask her. You know, I ain't too proud to beg, if you will. So the subject line said, can we please keep December 10th? And I talked to her about why we wanted to have that date and how it was a reading day and when most of the people would be on campus. And if we wait till the end of the semester, we're really not going to have our constituents there to voice their concerns. I didn't hear from her. She actually sent someone to handle the situation. So she put a roadblock between her office and me. And it happened to be a friend and it happened to be a woman of color. And I expressed to her um, my frustration um, about what I thought she was attempting to do because I didn't like what seemed like a divide and conquer between two women of color. And we had a courageous conversation, conversation about it and we talked about it. But the good news is she was able to work it out so the president was still able to meet with us on the same day, just an hour earlier. So I said, okay, all right, we're good. Constituents were happy. We were out there canvassing, handing out flyer, flyers. It was beautiful. So here we are, one o'clock on Tuesday. The room is packed. She's not there. <laughs> uh, maybe about 70, 80 people. So we had some other administrators, uh, high-ranking administrators at the university. The first one said that she didn't want to sit up front where I had a seat for her. And I tried to remain calm. And I'm like, well, we have a seat for you. And then she proceeded to say that she wasn't going to talk because it wasn't her meeting. And one of her colleagues, another administrator, high-ranking administrator, said, well, you're going to have to talk because people want to hear. So, so there was that, right? So once I got them situated, I waited out in the hallway for our big, big boss, if you will. And uh, she came in, she looked super uncomfortable, and I told her that I redid the recommendations and kind of put them in buckets. And long story short, she came in, we started the meeting, and um, there were a lot of things that went on that were unsettling, um, but at the end of the day, um, we had a number of things accomplished. Now, within the first hour of the meeting, we received word that there, was an, there were active shooters in the area of our school. I didn't think much of it until the head of public safety stopped in and we began to get back-to-back -back emergency notifications that we were on lockdown. 
We knew the situation outside had escalated and we knew that there was nothing we could do except try and calm ourselves and continue with the meeting. So we were zoomed in with our business school who is uh, on another part of campus. So we had to keep stopping the meeting because the emergency alerts kept coming in and uh, our anxiety was high, needless to say, because we didn't know what the situation was. But it was important for me to continue to encourage individuals in that room to try to uh, relax them and help them to focus on what we needed to focus on. So we used the extra time to expand on the recommendations and determine next steps. And it was at that point that I felt the power of the Holy Spirit calming me. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of my prayer before the meeting. So um, I'm not sure if many of you know, but Todd actually works for uh, the same university and he's actually on assignment in China and he was actually able to attend the meeting and don't laugh at me, but I have holy oil in my office. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just have to go old school and we anointed ourselves <laughs> before we went down to that meeting and I just felt the power of the Holy Spirit touch us in that space with all of the anxiety, with all of the nervousness, not just with the recommendations, but what was going on outside. The Lord spoke peace to my spirit. And I felt like everything was going to be all right. And, and we were able to make progress. Well, one of the significant moments was when I realized that we were actually in on lockdown, in lockdown, and in on with all the senior leadership of our university. <laughs> they couldn't go anywhere. Yes, 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 yes. The president was looking at her phone. <laughs> She's texting, and I'm like, oh my gosh. It didn't dawn on me initially, but I'm like, we're on lockdown, and they tried to cancel this meeting. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So again, we maximize the moment. Um, you know, it got to a point where it was a little bit, the meeting was supposed to be one hour, like um, an hour and 15 minutes. And I looked at her because I wanted to be respectful. And I said, you know, what's your time like? This is before we were on officially lockdown. And she's like, I got to go. And I said, oh, okay. Um, and then the public safety came in and said, you all can't go anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, she was able to stay for two hours which was huge. After a while she left, all right, because clearly she's the head of the institution. We had children from another school um, who actually had uh, bullets come through their windows, come to our campus. So there were things that she clearly needed to do um, and to take care of. So she was escorted out. Um, so, you know, it was um, a very tense situation. But again, God spoke peace and calm to my spirit and to my situation. Now, let's be clear. Had we had the meeting at the original time, which was supposed to be 2 o'clock, the meeting would not have happened because she would have already been in the middle of the emergency situation because it started to kick off a little bit before 1, and our meeting was at 1 o'clock. 
So after the meeting, there were so many people that came up to me, a lot of constituents I don't even know, and they were just like, would you look at God? (laughs) And they were like, won't he do it? And I'm like, yes, he will. (laughs) Yes, he will. Um, But there was a really, really serious situation going on outside. So there we were working on important issues of representation at the school, and there is an anti-Semitic attack just a few blocks away. On the one hand, there is hope and there is progress. On the other hand, heartache and pain. At a certain point, I adjourned the meeting and we read information online about the nearby shootout. And again, the school children came and found refuge on our campus, and we received the all clear at 4.30 that afternoon and eventually learned of the devastation mere blocks away. The shootout lasted for about two hours, as I'm sure you all have heard on the news. And we have a number of there are people here who live in that same um, city. And uh, six people were killed, including the two perpetrators. So it's the holiday season, and families are hurting, and families are mourning the senseless and tragic loss of their loved ones. And with everything that we're experiencing, I do have a practical suggestion, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. As painful as it is, The Lord helps us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. That's not easy. I found that I'm able to do this through my connection to Jesus when he reminds me that even in our darkest moments and lowest part lowest points. He is not, we are not alone. He says, I love you, Benita. (laughs) And this comes in so many different ways, through words of encouragement, through smiles, through experiencing the beauty of nature or architecture. It comes when I steal away. There's a Negro spiritual that says, steal away to Jesus. And just like Jesus separated himself and pulled himself back from the crowd, from the large crowds, that's what I found that I need to do in order to focus on him, in order to be able to rejoice always and pray without ceasing and give thanks in all situations. I had to focus on this this morning. As many of you know, I'm caring for my aging parents. And uh, with Todd not being here, there's a lot that just falls on me. And um, while they weren't coming with me to church, I was helping them get ready to go to their church. And my father didn't feel well. And I have to tell you, I felt so uncomfortable leaving. And had I not been preaching, I wouldn't be here, right? Because I don't like leaving my parents alone when I feel that they're in distress. And um, I called throughout my journey here, and thank God he felt a lot better. But there were moments on the trip here that I just began to thank God, and I began to rejoice about his goodness and how he's able to work miracles in my life. 
and how morning by morning by morning new mercies I see. And how he reminds me that there are so many opportunities that we can just pray and just rest in him and be at peace. And that's what I did this morning. So by the time I got here, I felt lifted. My spirit felt free because I know that God continually works things out for my good in the midst of stressful situations, in the midst of anxiety provoking situations. And, and, and they're always going to be here. <laughs> I mean, as I talk to you about feeling like, you know, I'm drowning, trust me, this has been happening quite a bit lately, but I find rest and freedom and liberation and comfort in knowing Jesus and being connected to Jesus. I don't know how I can live my life without Jesus, without allowing him to be Lord of all. So I thank God for the peace that he brings. And there is hope in the midst of tragedy. The fact that Jesus can and will speak peace to all of our storm-like situations And during this Advent season, we will wait for his healing. We will wait for his joy. We will wait for his love and grace and peace. Because he is able and he can do anything. He can do the impossible. God is able. God is able, God is able, and he won't fail. God is able, God is able, God is won't fail. Thank you, God. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for continuing to work miracles in our life. We know God that when the struggle is so incredibly real, you see us, you hear us, you care for us, and you give us peace. And we are so happy to know you. We are so happy that we can call you friend. We are so happy that you are able to turn situations around for our good. And as we continue to wait for you during this Advent season, we just pray that you would continually give us the strength as we journey on because we know that you will not let us drown. 
that you are the great rescuer and you will continue to see us through. And for that, we say thank you. For that, we rejoice always. For that, we will pray without ceasing. And for that, we will give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. And we praise you, Lord. And we say thank you and amen.